26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald I can't get that song out of my head. And of course, that's the Edmund Fitzgerald. Talked about that last week. Today, we're continuing in a series entitled Lost Ships and Miss Harbors. Kind of looking at life as it's been lived out on the Great Lakes. This morning, we're going to talk about things like the mushroom, the Danforth, the fluke, the grapnel. The plow, the union, the North Hill, the speck, the car of iron. Does anybody know what we're talking about? Anchors. We're talking about anchors. Now, I am a land lover. I love boats. I like being out on a, on a boat. I like that rocking back and forth, that kind of, that whole thing. But I'm told that the type of anchor you need depends on the type of boat that you have. For example... A grapnel might be a good choice for a smaller boat as well as a mid-sized vessel. Um, and then uh, a fluke, maybe even for a smaller one yet. And then if you're going to have a larger boat, then you want a claw. That sounds like something you need on a large boat, doesn't it? The claw. You know, I think of Toy Stories. The claw, the claw. But, uh, but I'm telling you, this thing about the anchor... It's just more about landing and putting it down. It's really a matter of life and death. And technically, an anchor is defined this way. It's a device normally made of metal that's used to connect a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind or the current. An anchor can be the difference between life or death. On November November 22nd, 1919, the Myron, which is a wooden steamer that hauled lumber across the Great Lakes was towing the Mistech. The Mistech was a schooner and, and she was later converted to a barge so the three masts that you see in the middle were removed and the Myron and the Mistech were both just loaded down just full to the brim with lun- lumber and, and timber. And it was kind of like the idea, the, the Myron would tow this. It's kind of like the idea of a double tractor, trailer, semi thing you see going down the highway. And, and that's kind of what it had. The Myron had a crew of 18. The Mestec had a crew of seven. Two hours after they departed, Munensing, a severe northeasterner off, uh, off the lake, just picked up the November gale, struck both the Myron and the Mestec. The wind started blowing steady at 60 miles an hour. Rapidly dropping temperatures, heavy snow moved in. The pounding seas opened up a hole in the worn out, really old wooden ship, the Myron that you see on the screen. It started to take on water. As it took on water, it changed the the center of gravity on the boat, buoyancy was beginning to be lost. Her pumps couldn't keep up with the water that she was taking on. The temperature was cold and dropping rapidly. Ice began to freeze on top side of the deck, adding to the weight of a ship that was already taking on water. Well, Captain Walter Neal of the Myron decided to drop the Mistech near Vermilion Point before he attempted to fight his way to shelter around the the rather safe Whitefish Bay. When he dropped the Miztech off, the captain there decided to drop her anchor, swing the bow of her boat straight into the wind, and there dropping all the anchors she had, she rode out the storm. The Myron got within a mile and a half of Whitefish Point 
a mile and a half. And because of rising water and in the lower deck, it extinguished the boiler flames and she slipped into uh, one of those big swales, came up and she was down in the trough of it and she sank to the bottom of Lake Superior in four minutes. Four minutes. As she was going down, the captain who was in the pilot house, the ship literally, the boiler, blew the pilot house off of the boat. And the captain climbed out of the window, Captain Neal, and he was the sole survivor. The other ship dropped anchor, turned to face the storm head on. And all seven lives were spared. Turn to the book of Hebrew. We're not sure who the author is of the book of Hebrew, so we're going to call him the pastor or the preacher. He was writing to a congregation. It was probably a house church outside of Rome, maybe Jerusalem. Even though we don't know the location of this house church, we do know that it was taken on water. This house church, this congregation was in trouble, man. It was being blown around pretty good. It, it was in the middle of a big storm. In fact, this is the third warning in Hebrews 6 that the preacher gives his congregation. In fact, this is one of the most severest and sharpest warnings in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. You're going to find it anywhere in the Bible. And instead of leaving them languishing in the in the throes of the warning, in verse 13, he starts redirecting their attention. Not to the sinking ship, but to an anchor for their soul. Matter of fact, you sung about that just a minute ago between the song Ocean and, and then the last one we did, Anchor. I mean, I'm telling you, everything that you're going to hear is wrapped up in what you already sang and already, you already affirmed. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. It says, God did not, or God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled take hold of the hope. That is a great line. We who have fled. And talking about Roman persecution where Roman centurions and guards would round up Christians and take them to Rome and throw them in the Colosseum for the gladiator games or throw them to the animals for sport. He said, we who have fled, we take hold of the hope. Man, the word take hold is, man, you grab on for everything you got. It's like you're in the storm, and you're out at sea, and it's the life preserver, and somebody throws that to you, and man, you hang on for all that you got, that we may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf, and he has become the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We're not going to get too wrapped up until Melchizedek, but it's a focal point of the book of Hebrews talking about how Christ is greater than the high priest and how Christ is greater than Moses and how Christ is greater than the Old Testament sacrifice and the Old Testament itself. And finally, he just says, it's greater than this order in the priesthood of Melchizedek. It's interesting if you look at verse 19. 
And really, that's kind of the focal point of where I want to land this morning. It says, we have this hope. There's an anchor for us. Oh, who's the we? It's, it's those folks who we just gave the severe and sharp rebuke to. It's those folks who had gotten lazy in their faith. Those folks who were considering turning away from the crucified, risen, and coming Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the Jews, and the Savior of the world. It was he that they were looking to turn away from. And he said, but we have this hope. In other words, there is an alternative. In the storm, man, you can drop the anchor because it's firm and it's secure. Man, this is really like... A, a cool passage, and it's neat on so many different levels, but the author, the pastor, just comes at it hope and hope and hope. And maybe some of you are out on that storm, man, because you understand the ship in this analogy is, is really your soul. And when the storms of life come, and the storms of life do come, Don was sharing about his... his uh, sister and their baby. Some of you may know, most of you may not know that this week I had to take a kind of an emergency trip to my mom and dad. They're not doing well. And all of a sudden life just kind of was thrown right into the middle of a storm. And sometimes storms just happen like on November the 19th when the Myron sent out pulling the mess egg. It just kind of blew up unannounced, unexpected, unintroduced. But nevertheless, it's a storm just the same. And some of you are in a storm. Whether the storm is financial, whether the storm is physical, whether the storm is spiritual, whether the storm is relational, whether the storm is, is just one of hopelessness and despair. There's a lot of us in the storm right now. And I think maybe sometimes it's what we do with the anchor that's going to decide kind of how we deal and what we do in the storm. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 19, he tells us that we have an anchor for the soul. And then he uses two adjectives to describe this anchor for the soul. And the difference between the two words is really found in the external pressure or the tests or the testing that's applied to them. The first word is the word firm. It's a translation. I'm going to try to get the Greek word right. Is, is ash finale. I didn't say that right, but just wanted to throw a little Greek your way this morning. It's made up of two words. One is a, one word means not, the other words means to totter. He just wants you to know that this anchor doesn't totter. If we think of totter, we think of the word toddler, don't we? And I've been here 20 years now. Most of you, or a lot of you, were here when my kids were, were little. And man, didn't my kids have the biggest heads in the world? You name it, I know they did. I mean, just like, you know? And it was just like, they, they, they would, when they started walking, they never really walked with purpose. It's just whichever way their head leaned, and they would just kind of go. You know what I'm saying? And then their little legs would be so weak, and they just kind of give way under, under the weight. Now, I thank God that their bodies grew into their heads, amen, and they turned out to be handsome young men. But you remember those, you know? 
Lean this way, you know, steer it over here, buddy. He is saying that this anchor, under the stress of life, doesn't tip over. This anchor, the preacher says, that I'm talking about when it's put under the storms of life, when it faces the condition of life itself, when it faces the worst that life has to offer. Man, this anchor that he's talking about doesn't break down, doesn't crack under the stress of the storms that you and I face. It's firm, but then it's also secure. That's a great word, this word secure. It's a translation, it means no doubt, standing firm on your feet. See, it's speaking of the hope we have, because no matter what you do to this chain, no matter what you do to the anchor, it doesn't bow, it doesn't bend. Man, the material of this anchor doesn't give way just because it's a tremendous storm or a northeastern as we have them up here. When we talk about the storms of life, the anchor that the preacher of Hebrews is talking about says it doesn't give way no matter how big the storm, no matter how big the tempest, no matter how high the waves or furious the winds, this anchor doesn't give ground. Isn't that incredible? That Jesus Christ is something that you and I can hang on to in the storms of life. And it doesn't buckle and it doesn't stress out. And it doesn't give way and it doesn't move way. It stands firm and secure. I like that. You ever wonder how an anchor works? I didn't know. Evidently, especially like the bigger the ships, like the big Navy ships and the barges, like the, the Myron and the, the Miztec. The weight of the chain is just as important as the weight of the anchor. They looked at it as all kind of one thing. And so if you were in 10 feet of water, you would let out 30 feet of chain. If you were in 50 feet of water, you would let out 150 feet of chain. And the, and the weight of the anchor, because on the Great Lakes, it has this sandy bottom. There's not a lot of rock for it to catch on to. And so the weight of the anchor would begin to just kind of work its way down into the sand, and the weight of the chain would begin to kind of work its way down in the sand, and it would just all kind of link together as one. Man, that is so cool. Because it doesn't matter how deep the trouble you're in, the anchor is still good. It doesn't matter your situation, how hopeless it feels to you, how much water you've already taken on spiritually. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the anchor that you need in the time of your storm. Look at verse 19. Then it says, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So the question then becomes is, what's the anchor? The question really kind of comes down to what's the anchor? It might be easier to tell you what the anchor isn't before I tell you what it is. I want you to know that this anchor is not a church, even though this scripture was written to a church. It's not a church. It's not a philosophy of life. 
It's not a political view. It's not an ideology. It's not even a theology. This, this anchor is not bound up in ideas and abstract thinking. This anchor is bound up in the very person of Jesus Christ. This anchor is none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the anchor for our soul, who died on the cross for your sins and my sins, rose again the third day, proving that he is who he says he is, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the anchor of your soul. And he's big enough, strong enough, mighty enough, powerful enough to handle any storm that comes your way. He's the anchor of your soul. By the way, it's kind of interesting that the Bible talks about how our, our Christ is an anchor for our soul, and he's writing to Jews who are land lovers. I mean, these are not old salty salesmen. The Jews were agrarian in nature, man. They were people of the land, not people of the sea. It's interesting that the anchor was a popular symbol in the early church. At least 66 pictures of an anchor have been found in the catacombs in Rome. The Greek Stoic philosopher Epictetus said this. He said, one must not tie a ship to a single anchor, nor life to a single hope. Did you hear what he said? He said, one must not tie life to a single anchor or to a single hope. Evidently, he didn't read Hebrews 6.19. Because there's not many anchors for the soul. The Bible tells us there is only one anchor for our soul. The Bible says you're not going to find hope in a lot of other things. The Bible tells us that there's true hope in one thing, and that's Jesus. Because Christians have but one anchor, and that's Jesus Christ, our hope. Make no mistake about it. The hope you need is not a better job. The hope you need is not more money. The hope you need is not a better spouse. The hope you need is not a better situation in life. The hope you need doesn't come through more things, a better position, achievement, or more stuff. It comes through having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who loved you so much that he died on a cross. Matter of fact, he weathered the worst storm you would ever have to go through because on the cross, he took all of your sins and he died for you. By the way, it's interesting that this anchor is different than any of the other anchors you're gonna find on a ship. <laughs> this anchor is anchored upward. It doesn't go down. It's anchored upward. This is kind of like a cool little thing. Because remember the chain adds to the value and adds to the weight and, and adds to the working of the anchor. Please understand that Jesus Christ, your anchor. Man, while one end of it is tied squarely to your soul, the other end of it is hooked on to the very throne room of heaven. Man, he doesn't give up on you. And he doesn't let you go. By the way, we're anchored not just to stand, but to go forward. Did you see that in verse 19? It's, it's just kind of little. It's just kind of tucked in there. When he went into the temple, when he went into that inner sanctuary. Now, most of us aren't Jews, and so we might need a little 
explanation about what this is. The Jews had two places over their lifetime where they would kind of meet and worship God. One was called a tabernacle, and that was a temporary structure. They would pick it up and move it as they would travel from place to place. But once they entered the promised land, they built a temple. And the temple was a permanent structure, and and the tabernacle and the temple both pointed people to where the presence of God resided. And in the tabernacle or the temple, there was this place called the Holies of Holies. It was the inner room where the presence of God dwelled. And on the other side, at one end of the room, was the Ark of the Covenant where the angels and and all this kind of stuff, but the presence of God just kind of dwelt there. I'm having a little trouble with my little band-aid right there. It's killing me. <laughs> I feel like the flying nun, you know, and just kind of doing that thing, you know. And so once a year, the high priest would go not just to the tabernacle or the temple. They would not just go into the holy place, but they would go behind the wall divider called the curtain. And there they would enter the holies of holies. What the preacher was telling the congregation was that, listen, your anchor isn't about standing pat or standing still. Your anchor has full access to the throne room of glory. That's why we have hope. It's because not only did he die on the cross, but on the third day he rose again. And then days after that, he ascended to heaven. And one day, this Jesus that we serve, one day this Jesus who is the anchor for our soul will come again. And he says, people, take hope in that. And by the way, it's firm and it's secure. Carla Faye Tucker was in a storm. Larry King interviewed her. She was a convicted murderer, and she did. Before her execution in 1998, she committed horrible crimes. I will not even tell you about them. At her trial, she joked about her crimes. She was cold, she was calculated, she was malicious, she was vicious, she was godless. She had no anchor. In prison, a pastor went to see her and over time shared the gospel with her and Carla Faye Tucker gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Even though she was a brand new believer, she still faced the consequences of her her actions And she was peaceful with all of this firestorm of controversy that swirled around her. And Larry King was asking her how could she be so hopeful and peaceful while death was imminent. And her response was this, when you've done something as truly awful as I've done and been forgiven of it, how can anyone possibly not be joyous and hopeful after that? See, our hope is not a blind hope. Our hope is not a, uh, just some kind of wishful pie-in-the-sky thinking. Our hope is, really, is truly linked and connected to the anchor of our soul, Jesus Christ. 
So that way when the storms of life come, I'm telling you, there is no storm greater that that will diminish the power of Jesus Christ. You know, many of you have had a stormy life and some of you are lost at sea. No hope. But I'm telling you, when you encounter Jesus Christ, the anchor for your soul, the only one who can truly anchor you, then you're going to meet Jesus. And when you do, it changes everything. It changes everything. He takes the the end of the anchor right behind that inner curtain into the very presence of God and ties it to the throne of heaven itself and tells us that no matter the storm of life, it's going to be all right because you are tied, you're connected to Jesus Christ. So the question is, probably this morning, for you and for me, is do you have an anchor? Matter of fact, if you have an anchor, are you anchored to something? Remember the Myron? She never dropped her anchor, did it matter? 17 crewmen of the Myron drowned or froze to death at Whitefish Bay. All were recovered wearing life jackets, but they died nonetheless. They were covered in ice. A tugboat found a boatload of frozen crewmen in Whitefish Bay several days later after the sinking. The crewmen were frozen in grotesque positions. Matter of fact, they had to thaw them out next to a roaring fire at the funeral home in Sault Ste. Marie. Bodies of five other crewmen were found encased in ice near Whitefish Point, and local residents chiseled their bodies out. And seven other were found in the spring entombed in ice. Did it matter? Does having the right anchor and using it at the right time matter? It absolutely does. So I guess the question for you this morning is what are you anchored to? See, here's what I know about life. If you live life more than a week, you're going to have a storm. Amen? And I'll tell you this about your storm. The storm doesn't really care much about you, does it? But there's an anchor for your soul who so intimately cares about you and knows you so well because not only does he know every wrong thing you've ever done, he knows every right thing you've ever done and he died for every wrong thing you've done and he knows the reason behind those wrong things that you've done and yet he died on the cross for you. But the good news is, is on the third day, he rose again, just as he said. Would you bow your heads or would you close your eyes for just a moment? Doesn't matter if you have an anchor, it absolutely does. Does it matter what you're anchored to? You better believe it does. So what are you anchored to? The fact of the matter is, everyone is anchored to something. Some of you are anchored to a hope or a job, and some of you are anchored to wishful thinking, and some of you are anchored to... But this morning, I simply want to challenge you to anchor your soul in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're a believer in Christ and you're just in the middle of the storm, I got great news for you. Jesus Christ is the anchor of your soul. His promises are true, and yes, you can trust him. 
And if you're here this morning, you just kind of feel like you're lost at sea. You have no direction. You're just being blown around by the current of life. Man, I've got great news for you. I've got something that is firm and secure for you that will not change, will not buckle under the stress of your load, will not fall apart, will not be brittle when it's put under the stress of the storms of your life. And that's Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, it would just be the honor of my day to tell you how you can have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts with a very simple prayer. And the prayer is just simply a conversation with a very personal God. And the prayer basically does several things. It realizes and admits that you're a sinner. It tells Jesus that you want to live with him. And you want him to live with you. And then you just kind of tell him that you want to follow him from this day forward. You want to be anchored to him. You want that stability and direction and sure ground and steadfastness that only he can give you. Purpose and meaning in life. So I wonder if you're here this morning and you don't have that anchor for your soul. You don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you, right now where you sit, would you pray this very simple prayer? Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm tired of being blown around by the storms in my life. I believe right now You are the only true thing I can count on. So in this moment, just repeat it in your heart. So in this moment, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, I want you to be the anchor. I want you to be the anchor of my soul. Nobody's looking around, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I do think you ought to let somebody know. So why not let me know? Why not right there where you sit, raise your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Jesus Christ into my heart. I just asked him to forgive me of my sins. I'm a Christ follower now, and I want you to know because I'll pray for you this week. And as a first step of faith, man, would you right there where you sit, would you just raise your hand? Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Anyone? Hey, Christian, can you be honest with me right now? Are you going through a storm? Are you going through, I mean, just a major? I'm telling you. In the storm of your life, you've got an anchor for your soul, firm and secure, that has access to the omnipotent, all-powerful God of this universe who is able to secure you, love you, hang on to you, never let go of you. And that's your hope, that he's the anchor of your soul 
And I wonder if you just be honest, say, Pastor, I'm really going through a storm right now. God knows what it is. And man, would you just, just pray for me? I just really need that hope that's mine in Christ Jesus. And would you raise your hand? Many of you. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and eyes closed? And if God has spoken to your heart and you need to come and pray this morning, the altar is open. Man, we'd love to have you come. And grab a hold of that anchor and let that anchor grab a hold of you this morning. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, my prayer is that in these moments, Lord, that we grab onto and you grab a hold.